Welcome to Right Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you for joining me. This is a special episode. We're calling it Right Stuff in Review for 2022. The top five podcasts of the year. Right Stuff top 10 books that we reviewed. Author news and celebratory things. Giving thanks for some people who've been a big part of Right Stuff. I'm really excited because I've never done anything like this before. The Lord has blessed me to be doing the show for nine years. And as 2023 looms ahead, as he continues to bless me, it'll be 10 years I've been showcasing Christian authors worldwide. That could not have been possible for so many authors who have consistently been a part of this show for that long. And with me today is the very first guest I ever interviewed on the show. And you've heard her before. Her name is Rachel Rossano. She's going to be helping me as she always does. I never, ever try to forget people who have been such a help to me. And Rachel is one of them. So she's going to be helping us really do this right stuff in review for this year. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. When we came with this idea, we were thinking like, wow, it's a really good opportunity to show what Right Stuff does for Christian authors. What are some of the takeaways some of our listeners can get from authors who are Christian or Christian authors, depending on how you want to go with it, who are part of the show? What can they gain from that? Those who are listening who are authors, there is a market out there for what you are producing. There are others who are producing good quality Christian content. There is a market there to reach. And Right Stuff is able to reach that market and is a good opportunity to connect you with readers and others who are looking for what you're, what you're, and for readers, it's a good resource for good content and good creatives and topics that are thought provoking, interesting and insightful. And I think it's a great resource all around. I like to think that over the years, we've helped a lot of authors showcase their work. What I really enjoy about being the host of Right Stuff is I get an opportunity to meet so many different people from many different walks of life who have many different interests. And through interviewing, through reading their work, I learn something new all the time. It's been really fascinating to see my knowledge grow because others have shared their content with me. And there's so many good things to share with our listeners today. So I want to go ahead and get started. Now, I got to tell you, and Rachel, I probably tell this story every year, but it bears repeating. When you first came onto the show, this show was live broadcasted and an hour and a half long. <laughs> so yeah. it's incredible to think I talked that long, but is it really that incredible? Probably not. But it's, we've come a long way. We really have. <laughs> you now we're down to like 30 minutes, sometimes 25 minutes now. And only because listeners spoke and it's easier for them to listen to a shorter podcast. It's been just a wonderful transition as we've grown from July of 2013 and next year will be our 10-year anniversary, July 2023. Starting from number five to number one, we're going to share the top five podcasts of 2022. All the podcasts have done great, but these are strictly based on how many downloads and streams that we've received. The first show that we're going to talk about is called Boys Will Be Men. And this was by my good friend, Pastor Christopher Weeks. He actually lives here in Michigan with me, but he's in another city called Kent, and he's the head of a, of a church there. This is his book. We're talking about masculinity. And part of masculinity, of course, is fatherhood. And I may mention that fatherhood was being attacked, but Chris saw it in a different light. So I'm going to go ahead and play that clip. Chris maintained that it's not being attacked, but shelled. Let's go ahead and take a listen. There is a lot of people that have grown up with either there's or no fathers at all. 
And so because they don't know what they're missing, and they really think that fathers are not a vital part of family. And so instead of a fatherhood, I just think they think, ah, let those old men onto their cave caves and just, you know, scratch them and just be barbarians down there. We don't need them in a real civilized world. But I think they're from two results. People have had bad fathers, and they're angry that they didn't have a good father. And then some, there's so many fathers that just have quit. Some are like, well, I don't need them. Rachel, after listening to that clip, what were some of your thoughts as you listened to what Chris had to say? I really appreciated Chris's perspective. I've seen a lot of this in how I've seen the media and other things representing fatherhood. And I really appreciated the entire episode because as a mother and being married to a man who is being an excellent father to our kids, fatherhood is very near and dear to my life right now. And I really appreciated his perspective. I think Chris, too, also has a heart to help young men become men because so many men are isolated and alienated. And this podcast really was geared toward that sect of our population of men who want to have families. They want to be attracted to women. They want to be somebody, but they don't know how to do that. And so he uses his experiences with his own father to help others learn how boys will be men. And so I'm really glad to have showcased that particular episode. That was number five. Now, number four of our top five podcasts was one I'm not quite surprised at all. She always draws a large listenership every time she comes on board the network. This next clip is a snippet of my show with Marsha Montenegro. Now, Rachel, don't laugh, but probably of all the guests I've ever had on this show, I've probably known Marsha the longest because I knew her before I even started my show. (laughs) Okay. Now her (laughs) ministry is called Christian Answers for the New Age. And she helps Christians recognize, identify, and understand the subtleties of New Age thought and philosophy. Now in this particular episode, she's expressing some of her frustrations she once had in the beginning when she would talk to Christians who readily accepted New Age thought without critically thinking about the implications. So we're going to share that clip right here. That were clearly not compatible with Christianity. I was seeing Christians supporting them or practicing them. And I have to say, initially, I was so naive. I was really shocked. And, you know, I wanted, I restrained myself, but I wanted sometimes to just say, what in the heck are you thinking? (laughs) I just was so shocked. Sometimes I was almost speechless. And, you know, I had to get through that. I had to get through that phase and come to terms with the fact that, yes, there were Christians who were being deceived by the very same things I had believed in as a newager. Rachel, I really enjoyed that clip with Marsha Montenegro. Like I said, I've known her for a long time. And over the years, she's had this awesome responsibility as part of her ministry to educate the church because of those subtleties. Why do you think a topic like this would resonate with listeners? I think because what she described is so common. I have seen it in so many places where the church itself or individual Christians who otherwise are sticking to their faith are embracing things that are clearly not biblical and clearly are a problem that is probably affecting how they're spiritual walk is going. And so I think her her ministry is very, very crucial right now. I agree because things are so subtle that because we don't read our Bibles anymore, we're just going on with how I feel. The individual is more important than the societal good. I think it's important we have shows like this that really hone in on what we need to know, what is biblically sound. We're not talking about doctrinal differences. We're talking biblically sound. We're talking about things like the nature of Christ. Is he God? We're talking about whether or not the Bible can be taken for its word. We're talking about things like that. And so I'm really glad that Marsha picks up the banner many years ago and started this ministry, Christian Answers for the New Age. Now, this next clip is about something we all detest. And this next clip is about suffering. Now, when I was recording this show with my guests, I was actually dealing with some issues regarding my twin sister's health, and her health isn't great right now. And 
Due to a lot of different things, I did question the Lord with why. It wasn't like I was questioning my faith. I was just asking, Lord, why do we have to deal with this? So this particular episode was probably the most emotional for me. I really connected with the message of this particular episode. So I'm not surprised that this episode here called Why Does God Allow Suffering? It doesn't surprise me that it was number three of the most listened of our network today. In this clip, Pastor Reed, Eric Reed, who's my guest, he tells us the details of his tragic story that led him down this path. But I asked him a question about suffering, and he goes into what really rocked him to his core about suffering when he details some of the events that happened in a well-loved biblical narrative. Let's go ahead and listen. Nebuchadnezzar summons them to a meeting, and when they begin, you know, to appear in front of him, and he says, if you don't bow the knee, I'm throwing you into the fiery furnace, they said something back to him really rot me. They said, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from your hands. He can save us. And he believes that part of the Bible. We believe that God has the power to rescue, right? I mean, I mean, what God are we believing in and what Bible are we reading if we don't walk away believing that, right? We know God has the power to save. God can rescue. God can redeem a situation. He can rescue us from the fire. He can raise the dead. He can part the seas, right? We get it. We all acknowledge that. But that's not the end of what they said. They finished by saying these words, and these are the ones I, they said, even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow the knee to you. Amen. And I got to be honest with you, Parker, I had never read that story at that point in my life, and I was kind of rocked to the core. These guys had a belief and a view of God that said he can rescue and deliver us. There is nothing that is constraining or limiting his power. However, even if he doesn't deliver us, which means in their mind, there was room for the fact that God's own prerogative might do something different than rescue them. Wow. Rachel, when you heard what Pastor Reed said, what did you think about some of the things that he was discussing? I really appreciated that clip because that part of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really has resonated with me for many, many years about how the fact that you can say that the Lord has the power to do something, but whether or not he chooses to do it, it doesn't change the fact he can. And I really appreciated his perspective in that show about suffering and the reasons we might be suffering and how important suffering can be in our lives. The words that Job has said many years ago became clear to me. You would think I would already know, but Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And they exhibited that type of faith. It doesn't matter if the Lord chooses to rescue me or not. It's the fact that he can, and I am standing on that. So even if I die, that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying. Even mm -hmm. if I die, I'm not going to submit to the evil one. I'm not going to submit to the enemy. And that type of faith, I think, is lacking for the most part within the Christian body. But the Lord raises up people who are not afraid to give their all. That's one of the aspects of his show I really like. And Rachel, when you hear his tragic story about his son, it just rings your heart. But through that tragedy, he was able to help me with my own questions. And as you listen to that show, dear listener, you're going to discover that tragedy does have a purpose. And that's one of the takeaways from that show. Why does God allow suffering? Now, this next show, which is our second most played episode of the year. Again, this one does not surprise me. I cannot tell you how much I appreciated the courage of my guest co-host, Shantasia because she talks about being a Christian and having a disorder called dissociative identity disorder, which is known by its more popular name, multiple personality disorder. She was so brave and courageous to come onto the show to talk about this. Now, in this clip I'm sharing with our listeners, I had asked her how could she still trust in the Lord when the abuse that she suffered that led her to have DID came from people in church. And this is her response. It really was just that I know him, I guess. That that 
even as a child, that was the cry of my heart was there was an old 70s song that says, Abba Father, never let me go. And I used to sing that song to myself when I was scared. And he's always honored that prayer. I still sing it to myself, like, don't let me go, no matter how many mistakes I make or all the bad things that happen and the terrible things that have happened, like, please continue to reassure me that I am yours because everything in the world is telling me that I'm not, even your people. It's hard to imagine being in her shoes and surviving as she has. It's just mind-boggling. And when I say this in that particular episode as well, because I was recording, I was looking at her, and when she made this statement, I actually jumped in the air. I jumped because she said, I know him, and no amount of abuse could take that away from her. She is very honest about how she fell away and got into different things, but she always came back. And when she talked about this particular episode, I can't tell you how many people came and contacted me after the show aired and revealed how much it helped them. There were even people who had DID who were nervous about coming out, having DID and being a Christian and her courage helped them. And I think we need to really go to the Lord first when we are doing these type of things, when we're revealing things that are not popular or popular thoughts, stuff like that. We need to be aware that our stories and what God has done for us can help other people. That, that's how the Lord uses us. It's amazing how he can use, pulling back to the previous book, it, it's how he uses our suffering to bless others. Is It's amazing. It's amazing how it works. Now, our top one episode for the year 2022. I was actually quite surprised by this when I did the numbers. I was really surprised, but then I really wasn't. So our top one episode of 2022 was Psychedelics in the Church. That was our top episode. And we were talking about that with my good friends, Rich and Linda Nathan. Now, I got to tell you the story real quick, Rachel. I met Rich and Linda purely through happenstance, quote unquote. Peter Young Husband, who is a reviewer for Right Stuff, had on his feed on Goodreads a book called The Glittering Web. I was very intrigued by the book. When I read the blurb, I said, oh, this is about the new age. I bought it. And then I just did a live reading of the book where I go into that author's DMs and I just start giving them my impressions of the book as I'm reading it. I can't do it all the time, but I had time that particular day. So I sent like a thousand messages over to Linda. And so she probably opened up her messages the next day. It's like, oh my gosh, who's this crazy person sending me stuff? But as she was reaching, like, oh my gosh, she's really understanding the book. And from there on, we've known each other now about two to two and a half years now. And through that time, they have been such a blessing to me online and offline. And so in this particular episode, our number one show of 2022, I asked them what psychedelics were. And I had a laugh, Rachel, because I don't do drugs. I never have. And as <laughs> God gives me grace, I hope I never do. I don't want to ever become an addict, <laughs> anything like that. So yep. I asked her what psychedelics was. And she said, and I thought I don't do drugs. She said, oh, you're so blessed because they used to do drugs back in the day. Now, what's really funny about this couple, Rachel, is that Linda and Rich, they're in the 80s. They are the yep. cutest couple <laughs> you have ever seen in your life. They've been married for like 50 Aww. years, like 56 uh-huh. years. And they said, we've been through it all. <laughs> you know, she said yes. that we have yes. been through it all. But in this one, they're talking about what psychedelics were. And she gives you the definition and the real dangers involved with psychedelics. Let's give it a listen. What they do is they manipulate ordinary consciousness by affecting your senses, altering thinking, time sense, and emotions, and changing perception, mood, and cognition. They produce hallucinations and psychotic states. And the important thing of all from a point of view and what we've been through is they open you up to spiritual deception. They are drugs. Demonic influence. They are sorcery drugs that have been used for centuries in pagan cultures in their religious ceremonies. Uh, There's nothing new about them at all. They're just being dressed up for our time for a a more, quote, scientific society, and they're being masqueraded in scientific terminology. Yeah, and and it's 
it's coming in under the banner of mental health. Mental health, yes. You know, and, and therapy. And there's yeah. huge conferences going on to train medical personnel and how to use your use psychedelic for um, you know healing. And they're they're even trying to how do how do you get how can you use psychedelic to get rid of the trip? And then, you know, good luck. <laughs> You know, Rachel, when I was I was laughing a little bit while I was listening to that clip because Linda Rich, they've talked about the effects of drugs. They've talked about it. And in their book, The Glittering Web, which is how we met, their main characters, she uses the main characters to show the effects of psychedelics, right? Mm-hmm. And she mentioned how they were seeing things. They were able to uh, astro, what is it, astro project or whatever, things of that nature. And she's like, this is the type of thing you want to stay away from. But yet, one thing that they mentioned that I think was really good is that they said they're trying to mask what's been going on for hundreds of years as science now. And that masquerade can lead people down a dangerous path. Because I have been reading and keeping track of this in different areas, and it's scary stuff that people are now dabbling in. and the direction that science and other things are trying to encourage us to go is just, it's very disturbing. So we did our top five podcasts for the year and our top five podcasts, just to let our listeners know, was the, the fifth episode, rather the fifth one was Boys Will Be Men. The fourth one was Christians, Horoscopes, and Yoga Don't Mix. The third was Why Does God Allow Suffering? The second one is Christ and Dissociative Identity Disorder. And our number one was Psychedelic Seduction. So those are our top five podcasts for 2022. We did get an honorable mention. And our honorable mention really surprised me because she just made it. Like she just made it under that list. And it was by a young lady I met this year. Her name is Rashonda Jameson. And when I met her, we had such a great time. And her podcast called Miraculous Testimonies. She talks about the fact that God does heal. God does do miracles. Not yesterday, but today, right now. And in her book, she highlights different cases of people who were told going to survive this. You're not going to heal from this. And people were miraculously healed. And I love that it was an honorable mention because at the same time we talk about suffering, like we're talking in Pastor Reed's show, he also says, guess what? We know that God can heal. We know that he can do this. And so her show was the opposite, if you will, of letting God be sovereign while we're suffering, but also knowing that he is sovereign while we're healing. So that was an honorable mention. Now, here's my trippy ones, Rachel. <laughs> you know, I kind of like the trippy stuff, okay? Now, yeah. Neither of these episodes made the list, but they were probably my favorites. <laughs> and <laughs> I got to tell you, I got to thank Jeremy Bullard because he was the one who turned me on to these articles. So the first episode that I really enjoyed, um, not the first episode, but my favorite episode rather, was Transhumanism and the Metaverse. This was based off an article of the same name by a gentleman named Charles Eisenstein. Now, I actually connected with Mr. Eisenstein because after I read his article, about 8,000 words, I really enjoyed reading it. I called it brain gum because the more you kept reading his article, Rachel, the more you kept getting more and more things. I yep, didn't know yep. anything about his worldview, what his thoughts about Christ was. It was just a really good article. And this article shows just how objective this gentleman was, and he was showing the dangers of transhumanism. And the metaverse, which is the virtual world. And reading that article really helped me understand that we need to be cautious about immersing ourselves in virtual reality, immersing ourselves in individualism, immersing ourselves in pleasure. And so that was one of my favorites. So my next favorite episode was Worlds Without End. And as you already know, I'm a Trekkie girl, so definitely love this particular episode. It was called Worlds Out In, and the article was by Spencer Clavon. Again, I don't know anything about the author, but his his article really was just a wonderful exercise into how mystical the multiverse is. And he rightly gave us an understanding that more and more scientists, as we reject God 
as the intelligent designer of our cosmos and our universe, we get to go toward these more outlandish theories. And one of the things that he said in this article is that are scientists being scientists or are they becoming philosophical clerics? And when he made that comment, I said, bam, that is it. So that yep. was why I love that episode. And I reached out to both of these men and I let them know how much I appreciate it. Like I said, to our listeners, I don't know their worldview or anything about that. Right. I didn't look it up. That was for right now. That was not important to me. It was just the mm-hmm. fact that the Lord used them, however he used them to really bring these ideas out. So I enjoyed them. They didn't make the list of honorable mention or top five, but I definitely enjoyed them. Now we're going to get to the next part of our right stuff in review. And that's our top 10 books. Now, I'm going to have Rachel announce the books and we're going from 10 to 1. But don't, don't, I don't want people to think, oh my gosh, she liked this one the most and this one best. No, they're not in any particular order. I just did it this way. So we're going to go ahead and have you announce the first one. So our top 10 books for 2022 for right stuff begins with which book now? The Man Who Thought He Could Fly by J.L. Patson. Yeah. Now, JL, I love talking with JL. And The Man Who Thought He Could Fly is an anthology book, but he really uses his words to show and uh, share a light on the world and some of the flawed things that we've come to accept. So in the story, The Man Who Thought He Could Fly, it's a man who is going to work and he gets on an elevator and there's a young man who says, I'm going to go to the roof because I can fly. And he tells the young man, young man, you can't fly. And that's how it starts off. I won't tell you how it ends, but it's actually hyperbole. And in the hyperbole, he uses that to show why truth matters and why we should not bar that truth. So that was the that was uh, number 10 for our uh, list here. What's the next one? Dixon Stone, C.W. Breyer. And I think you know Chuck. Don't you know Chuck, Rachel? I think you've seen him around on Facebook or something. I think I've seen him around. Yeah, but Chuck is just great. He has the great sense of humor. And in his book, Sticks and Stones, it is also an anthology, but it's actually focusing on childhood. And he uses a child's mind through the vehicle of horror to talk about how we need to protect childhood. So there are many stories in here, I think about 20, maybe a little bit more than that, and he uses horror in a very unique way. Some of them is what we call body horror. Some is psychological horror. Some is just paranormal. But he uses various forms of horror talking about childhood. And the cover of this book was outstanding. It shows a skeleton hanging over a river and a young child looking up, which is actually the depiction of the first story in the collection. So he makes number nine of our list. What's the next one? The Bible Dimensions and the spiritual realm. Now, this is the third book, and this is by Dr. Jeff Rhodes. And I met Dr. Rhodes because his TR reached out to me. And as soon as I saw his book, again, Rachel, you know how I am. Okay, if it's weird and out there, I'm all for it, right? (laughs) And I read his book, devoured it. And then he came back with me for the show that I liked that no one else really did, for the transhumanism show. He came back to help me explain that one too. So the Bible dimensions the spiritual realm. He really talks about a lot of different things, but he really flips a lot of things on our head and not to take things at face value and how even scientists are being forced to admit there is an intelligent designer. So that's the Bible dimensions in the spiritual realm. Let's go ahead to the next book. The Former Things by Alan Sedham. Now, Alan Sedham, he's a good friend of mine. I talk to him all the time, that poor man. Now, here's the interesting thing about The Former Things. I liked this book, I endorsed this book, and I hated this book, right? And I'll tell you why. Alan made me so angry. Like, Alan was trying to go to sleep. After I finished reading this book, Alan was trying to go to sleep. And I kept him up for maybe another half hour talking about the things I didn't like in this story, <laughs> Rachel. I feel, I feel for Alan. Yeah. Oh, man. He's like, okay, bye. You know, and I'm like, no, I'm mad about this book. And here's why I'm mad. But Alan is so pleased that I'm upset. And mind you, the book is very good. It is a Christian romance that he did not intend to write. And he did not do formulaic at all, which is probably why I didn't like it. And the things I wanted to happen did not happen. And so I got mm-hmm. really emotionally involved with the former things. And yes, Alan knows that. Like it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, say, I love this book. I really did. And I hated it. And so yeah. that seems so mean to say, but Alan, would t- once he hears this, he would totally understand why I feel that way. Because <laughs> I told him, dang it, I told him that I hated and loved this book. More love than hate, obviously, but I just yeah. hated the way he did these poor people. And um, that's why I say authors are slightly sadistic. <laughs> they really are. We're slightly, slightly there. We really are. We are. We have to make our characters suffer before we let them resolve into a happy ending. Because in real life, we do deal with things. And sometimes yes, we have to deal with that. So yes. let's go to the next one here. In Search of a Prince by Tony Shiloh. Now, in Search of a Prince, who doesn't want to be a princess, Rachel? Okay. <laughs> Weren't you writing about princesses yourself? <laughs> I, I have in the past. You've written yeah. about princes, okay, yeah. princesses. Now, in this particular book, it, book, In Search of a Prince, it takes place in an African country that uh, Tony worked, uh, that Tony created. And in this country, this woman finds out, before well, she's in New York, and then she finds out, oh, yeah, my mom forgot to tell me I'm actually the daughter of a prince in Africa. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> and she tells her why this all happened. So she goes to meet her father, her, um, not her father, but her uh, grandfather who's in this country, he's getting sick. And she goes here, and there's a lot going on in this story. What I really liked about this particular book is the story is a contemporary royal romance, but Mm -hmm. it's different. And it has that ethnic diversity that people are calling for nowadays. But not only that, when you see the cover, this model looks like a princess. And her dress just flows all over it. And it just gives Mm -hmm. you that fantasy feel in a modern sense of being a princess right and I just loved it I love this book and I love the spiritual truths that Tony put into this book and later on we go into our acknowledgments we're going to be telling you a really good thing about in search of a prince in a few moments what's the next one prophecy of the seventh Elizabeth by Jared Edge yeah this book What's really funny about this book is that I had no idea what to expect because the title like that, what do you expect? The seventh mm-hmm. Elizabeth, not the seventh master, not the seventh son, not the, the third moon, yeah. the seventh Elizabeth. So I had no idea what to expect. I went in here completely blind, no expectations at all. It was a wild ride. It was so good. And there were so many biblical things woven throughout this thriller story and the prophecy. These poor people, again, the, the sadism of my, of my authors are crazy. This poor guy just had a bad day. Okay, he just had a really bad day and it doesn't get any better for him for a while. And yet you have this biblical truth. You have something happening with, the, with John the Baptist. I'm sorry, not John the Baptist, John the Apostle. He makes an interest in this book. You got some martial arts in here you got biblical truth in here you got some dark things and lots of things are going on in this book and when oh, it yeah. all come together it is amazing so i really enjoy prophecy of the seventh elizabeth and what's really cool is that jared knew me because when we reached out he just i just scheduled with show but he's like hey we worked together before parker i said we did oh. and he's like yeah and we have worked on an anthology by he's a priest they um Diogenes Reyes. We had worked on an anthology together. And he said, your book, your short story comes from my short story. I said, oh my gosh, really? So we had, we had worked together in 2015, but we reconnected this year. So that was really cool to get that, to get that there. What's our next one, Rachel? The Adoption Surprise by Michelle Lindo Wright. Oh my gosh. The Adoption Surprise is the cutest book ever. It starts off in chapter one with the aunt taking her niece, who recently lost her mom, to a daycare, I believe. And as she's going, the little girl runs out and she almost gets hit by a car. Well, this man comes and rescues the little girl before she gets hit by a car. And they're all nervous and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Next thing you know, he looks at the little girl and he's like, this is my daughter. She's like, no, this is my niece. He said, no, this is my daughter. And guess what? You find out that they were twins separated at birth identical twins and it's called the adoption surprise and cutest cover ever they show two little girls hiding behind a tree and poking their heads out behind the tree smiling at the viewer let me tell you when i read this book by michelle lindell rice it was amazing and actually her book was so 
detailed. It had a lot of things going on underneath the surface. And even though it's a cute book, you could probably guess it's going to have a happily ever after. That road to happily ever after was wrought with a lot of emotional baggage, background, lots of good things. So, yeah, really love the adoption surprise. And what's the next one? When Legends Rise by Daphne Schell. Oh, my gosh. When I read When Legends Rise, let me tell you, I wanted to strangle Daphne when I was done. And I know there's a lot of violent talk going on here, but you have to understand, I get involved with these books. Like sometimes I get emotionally invested, okay? And When Legends Rise was one of those books I got emotionally invested in. And I contacted Daphne afterwards, and I'm like slamming on my keyboard about how she did this book. And let me tell you, it's a wonderful sci-fi book. It talks about a man who was created and born and bred to be an assassin. He's an assassin, and then he becomes disabled. And the people who made him an assassin can no longer use him. And so usually they just kill you. And he decides to live. Why he decides to live is the beginning of his journey. But throughout this book, Daphne did a lot of research. And so it's sci-fi. She has us going from Earth to the moon and to Mars. And there are two major factions that are fighting each other. You have the secular government, if you will. And then you have the coalition, which is like the Christian uh, religious aspect of this book. And When Legends Rise, it's a wonderful story. Lots of detail. In fact, Rachel, there is one scene that I hadn't thought about until I read this book where our female character is on the moon. Mm -hmm. And the moon has no atmosphere. There's only a dome protecting people from the outside Mm -hmm. and she looks up and she just sees darkness there's no sun you got to look the other way to see the sun because the sun's not shining there I said that would be quite terrifying (laughs) actually you know you don't see the clouds you don't see the sky you don't even see other planets you see darkness a darkness of space a great void yeah and I said that would be absolutely terrifying I had never considered that when I thought about the moon living on the moon never considered that and then she did when they went to Mars, she did that going to Mars, but her technology was not FTL, which is faster than light technology. There was no warp speed. Actually, it was like gates that she had. They went to these gates in like 12 hours to get from one planet to the next. And I said, that actually makes sense. It's more reliable. And I asked her about it later. I said, how can we do the warp thing? She said, it's not feasible. It's not technologically right. feasible right now. So she did a lot of research and her characters. It was almost had a little cyberpunk to it. Mm-hmm. And you know, because the main female character is a computer whiz. So a little cyberpunk is in there. Interesting. And yeah. an assassin. And then throw in a war. And yeah, you have When Legends Rise. And the way she ended this book, I just wanted to strangle her. And she knows that. Again, lots of <laughs> violent thoughts happening here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know our listeners are going to love When Legends Rise. What's our next one? Blooming Big by LaToya Garrett. I got to tell you, when I found this book, it was through the Amazon algorithms and they had all my recommendations of books I like to read. And I happened to see this book. And the moment I saw this book, I was drawn to it. So I opened the book and the Bible verse that Latoya had put on the first part of the book was the one I needed that day. I was having a really tough day that day. And that Bible verse spoke to me, gave me what I needed in that moment. And I reached out to my assistant. I said, get her on the show. That's exactly what I said. I said, get her on the show. And it was so great because her book was excellent. It's a romance, takes place at contemporary times. However, she deals with a young lady who has to deal with emotional abuse from her aunt. Her aunt is absolutely horrible creature, absolutely horrible creature. Okay, just horrible. And then the male hero in the book, he's just debonair, smart. He's kind of like the bad boy, though. He has the motorcycle, the tattoos, all that. But he is gung-ho for Jesus, and he loves Jesus. And when he sees her, the Lord told him that she was going to be his wife. But it wasn't time for it to happen yet. So a lot of that is going on. It's a lovely story. And they, uh, it's really a story of self-discovery for our main character and self-discovery for him, too. So it's called Blooming Big. Cute story. It doesn't read long at all. But I was so thankful that the truth that I got from that book mm-hmm. helped me at a moment when I needed it. So that's why she's on our top ten. And it's a good story, too. <laughs> and it's a good story. So there we go. 
And our last one, go ahead and share it with us. All She Needs by Rhonda McKnight. Oh, my gosh. Now, first of all, Rhonda McKnight is a phenomenal author, and I've known her now for several years. But when I saw All She Needs, I just had to read it. Let me tell you, if you're talking about intrigue, drama, family issues, romance, up, down, politics story, and <laughs> going, all of this in a story. It's part of a series, a bigger series that Rhonda McKnight does called The Bennetts. It's the family called The Bennetts. And there's one scene in the story where the main character is at somebody's wedding from another book. And he's like, apparently the wedding bug has been biting all the Bennetts lately. <laughs> she says something like that. <laughs> but all her, most of her books for the Bennett family are all interconnected. And readers have been just eating up her books. And I can see why when you read all she needs. It's urban romance, so it has um, definitely an urban feel to it. But oh my gosh, it is that good. And I told Rhonda when I was reading it, one of her characters, which is the sister of the main character, I said, she is so trifling. I told her that. I said, she is trifling. <laughs> and she just started laughing because she totally understood what I meant. And I think every family has one in the family. Every family has that one person they wish just would not show up. <laughs> so she's been there too. So yeah, that is All She Needs by Rhonda McKnight. So those were our top 10 books for 2022. Again, they're not in any particular order. It's not, oh, I like this one the best or anything like that. They're just the top 10 and I hope our authors really appreciated our list here. And now I want to mention just a few honorable mentions here. And the first honorable mention, go ahead and give us that one. The Blacksmith's Daughter. Now, The Blacksmith's Daughter, Rachel, was written by Guy Stanton III. Now, Guy Stanton III, he was writing a lot, and then he took a hiatus for four years. So The Blacksmith's Daughter was his first book back after a hiatus. And we had a wonderful time talking to him. Now, you know I talk, Rachel, and poor guy, I talked for like three hours before he even recorded the show because his book was so very good. It dealt with the idea, what if all the men in the world were hunted down and killed? And there were only a few left that were being hunted down by these androids. And any, any children that were born were impregnated by these robots that would impregnate them and they only have female children. So that particular book is a celebration of masculinity about a man's role in society and how women need, how men and women need each other, how we balance each other off. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. The Blacksmith's Daughter. The next one, yeah, oh, it was very good. It was a sci-fi, very interesting. Yeah. And he did a fictitious timeline in the beginning of the book that starts from 2020 and, I'm sorry, not 2020, 1900. So it's, that's the real part of the, of the timeline. And then after 2022, it goes to a fictitious timeline. And right. it was really interesting how he postulated some of his thoughts there. So what's the next one we have here? Soul Reader. So Soul Reader was by Dante Lupinetti. And I really enjoy Soul Reader. It's about a gentleman who God has given the spiritual gift to read the soul. So if he takes your hand, he can read if you're telling, he can read your soul, basically saying if you're telling the truth or not. Mm -hmm. Soul Reader was a really fast paced book. You read it very quickly. I'm not kidding. If you, if you had an hour, you probably could read the whole book because Dante wrote so blunt and he wrote very direct. So the book reads very, very fast, but it's a wonderful read, interesting narrative. And what I like is that there's a scene in there where people hear about this gift that this man has. And so the FBI gets involved and the government gets involved. They want to test. They want to say, is this a psychic ability? He's like, no, it's not a psychic ability. God is giving me this gift. And they right. didn't want to hear it. The people in the book didn't want to hear it. So, yeah. So I loved Soul Reader. And what's our third honorable mention for our list here? Paper and Thorns. Paper and Thorns was by Eli, uh, Eli Carling. And Eli wrote Paper and Thorn. It is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. But he flipped it on his head completely, mm -hmm. destroyed it, and then brought it back together again. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, oh, my gosh, Eli. And it follows a Beauty and the Beast template. However, it's through the eyes of the prince. And he is mesmerized by the daughter of a magician who never shows his face. He has a mask. The mask changes. And the character who is not named, he has an obsession with origami. He's obsessed with art. But while he's doing this, he's obsessed with origami. And when we first meet him, he's in a tunnels trying to get to the next uh, point of like any fairy tale to get to the next test, the first test, the third, right. second test, the third right. test. 
And so he's trying to get to the first test that he has to find a paper rose. And then it goes to the store. And then the next test, he has to find this and the next test, find that. And it's a wonderful retelling of Beauty and the Beast, but it does have some somber notes to it. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, only a man would do this to a wonderful tale. <laughs> like but I told Eli, it's a wonderful story. I read it very quickly. So those three, The Blacksmith Daughter by Guy Stanton III, Soul Reader by Dante Lupinetti, Paper and Storm by Eli Carley. Those three are honorable mentions. So I hope our listeners enjoyed those books. Now, we're going to end our show in just a few moments, but I have to tell you some of the good news that we've received from our guests who've been on the show throughout the years, okay? The first one is, go ahead, Rachel. Sean Rainwater. Now, Sean Rainwater is the author of the book, Hades Proper, and I really love this book. It is phenomenal. It basically takes place in a sci-fi world where basically a crack happens, an earthquake happens that leads to a crack that goes to the center of the earth, and this is where hell is. So basically, they go to hell, but it's not hell like, they go to hell, but it's depicted in a very unique way to the center of the earth, and you have all these interesting ideas happening. Now, Sean and I both like horror, so that's how we connected with the story. So Sean, he's an author, recently sold a script, and his he's sold a psychological thriller, and it's being turned into a movie. So I want to definitely congratulate Sean for that. What's our next one? Tony Shiloh. Now, we were just talking about Tony Shiloh when it came to In Search of a Prince. Well, Tony Shiloh won the Christie Award for In Search of a Prince for the Amplify Award. Now, let me tell you what's significant about this, Rachel. Amplify mm-hmm. Award for the Christies is about elevating and recognizing stories by underrepresented authors. And in this case, BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous, People of Color category. And this was the book that won. First time the award happened, first time she won. And Tony Shiloh, it was just absolutely phenomenal to see that she won the Christie Award. I don't know if you know, though, too, and not mention this a little bit later, the Christie Awards were trending on Twitter. Oh, they are. Cool. They were at the time. They were trending on Twitter, and the reason why they were trending on Twitter, it lets us know that younger people were getting involved, and they're the yeah. ones putting the the message out there about Christie Awards. So that was a big yeah. deal there. And what's our next one here? Kathy McCrum. Now, Kathy McCrum, she's been on the show before. She talked about what's it like to be an introverted author. It was very interesting. We prepared very thoroughly. She had all her questions beforehand, and she was able to talk. <laughs> And she, her debut book, The Recorder, was nominated for two Christie Awards, two of them, one for debut and one for, I think, Young Adult, I believe. I can't remember right offhand. But her book, her debut book, won, was nominated for two Christie Awards. How incredible is that? Yeah. Her debut. And when I called her, when I found out she was nominated, I called her. And she's blubbering on the phone, absolutely blubbering. I'm like, <laughs> you were so nervous. You didn't want to do it. And look what the Lord has done. She was nominated for two Christie Awards. What's the next one here? Dakota Hawk. Dakota was this year my youngest debut author this year. She's 16 years old. And her book is called Jagarcho. And Jagarcho is a book about cats. It's animal fantasy. Absolutely oh, cool. thrilling. And she's homeschooled. And as I was talking to her, I had to go with her schedule because she's extremely busy. And so I had to talk to her, get her in there. And as a homeschooler, I was so amazed at how, how articulate she was. And people want to say, oh, homeschoolers don't know how to talk. <laughs> they don't have any social <laughs> skills. All these <laughs> lies. I said, you obviously oh, have not met the homeschoolers I know <laughs> because no, they haven't met my children either. <laughs> obviously, right? And in her book, when I read her book, it was difficult for me to believe a 16-year-old had wrote it because the style of writing was very much yes. more than what I thought a 16-year-old could write. That's and I told cool. her that. So we want to congratulate her for being our youngest debut author on this show. And the next one is who? Dante Lupinetti. So we were just talking about Dante Lupinetti with his book, Soul Reader, which was one of our honorable mentions. Yes. He shared his show. 290 times okay 290 times on Facebook wherever he could he shared this show so often and it actually led to people wanting to know more about right stuff 
Christian authors who had never heard of Right Stuff, and they're mm-hmm. going to be showcased coming up next year. Nice. All because that he shared. Awesome. That is incredible, and I want to thank him for that. And it lets me know that for our listeners out there, if you know about the show and you share the show, you never know how other people are going to respond to that because there are some Christian authors who think they don't have a voice because they may write in a more edgier genre or they may, may write in a sweeter genre. Here are right stuff. We encompass all of it. So I really want to thank Dante for sharing the show the most 290 times and probably as of the date of this, probably still counting. <laughs> so, that is so cool. Now, this next one I'm going to introduce is Created to Reign by the Cornwall Alliance. Now, I've had the Cornwall Alliance on here before, Rachel. They just mm-hmm. launched a podcast called Created to Reign. It talks about climate change issues from a Christian and a scientific perspective. And they ask questions. And the head of this podcast is Dr. Cal Beisner and his other co-host is David Gates. They came onto the show and I just wanted to broadcast that they have created to rain. So if you want another podcast to listen to that talks about climate change, definitely subscribe to Created to Rain. And what's our next one? Momo, an inspirational thriller. Now, Momo, it was written by Kevin Kraft, and we just had him on the show this year. I had the pleasure of talking to him and his daughter this year. Her name's mm-hmm. Tamara Kraft, and she did a fantasy book called uh, Baldeshi. He is turning Momo, which is his story, into a movie production and I have been following it. So he's doing it all his own. It's a family, it's a family movie. I saw recently saw some of the set designs, some of their clips of the Caesar taking. They have an old trailer for the show. And uh-huh. he's gonna update that too. But he's cool. producing a movie. I cannot wait to know how the movie turns out. He did wrap up production, I think about two weeks ago he wrapped up production. And now he's going to be working on that movie back in March because most of the movie, most of the book took place in a small 280 square foot room and they got to be outside for some of the scenes. So he's going to wait till it warms up to finish that up. So what's the next one? Tyreek Wynn. Now Tyreek Wynn, when I first had him on this show, he was 16 years old. He had been on Steve Harvey. And one of the things that he told me was that he wanted to be a broadcaster. Now, five, six years later, he accepted a position as an anchor with iHeartMedia in Atlanta, oh, yeah. Georgia. And yeah. I was just rooting for him, and I've always rooted for him ever since he told me that. One of the inspiring things that he said was, you are never too young to begin your dream. That's what he said on my show five to six years ago, and he's doing what he wanted to do, which is be a broadcaster. And the Lord is blessing him. I have been following his journey, and I just want to say congratulations to him. That's awesome. Now, I have some personal news to share. Through your guys' help, we also obtained my USA Today best-selling author, uh, what do you call it, a label, I guess. So I am now a USA Today best-selling <laughs> author, and that's, that's that was amazing. It was a, a lot of hard work went into that, so I got that today. So I'm very grateful. That was something on my checklist of author things I wanted to do. And we got that done. And lastly, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much. And lastly, we connected with Tyndale Publishing. And Tyndale, we're going to be showcasing their authors. How do you like that, Rachel? Oh, that's exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I said lots of good things going. I wanted to celebrate our author achievements. I know I may have missed some. It's not on purpose. I assure you. It's just I didn't get a chance to mention it. But that's why I like doing this show, Rachel. We are not just creating content. We are creating relationships, a family, a community of Christian authors from diverse backgrounds who love the Lord and are writing. And that's what we want to do. So that's why I wanted to share those celebrations of author achievements. And so I want to keep that going as we continue to do Write Stuff and Review. Now, we did want to mention a couple of more somber things. And we're doing this because we don't want to forget anyone. And recently, one of the major attendees of Railmakers had an event happen. So go ahead and just share that with them, Rachel. So, yeah, Mary Schlegel lost her husband recently in a fatal car crash. And she has a little one and she has another little one on the way. And she is, she's a Christian. Her husband was a Christian. But it's a very difficult thing to be facing now since this is 
children so young and so much to go forward. She needs a lot of support and prayer. And um, they're, I think they're going to be doing a fundraiser for her. Yeah, they did do a fundraiser. And I think yeah. if they haven't met their goal, they were close to meeting it the last time I checked. I didn't know Mary very well at all, to be honest with you. I didn't know her very well. But Mm -hmm. so many people who have been a part of this show were heartbroken to hear about her husband. His name was Aaron passing away. He was, they actually met through Realm Makers and everyone saw their romance bloom and blossom. They were there when they got married and they had their first child and everything. So it was really a blow to the Realm Makers community, of which I am somewhat of a part of. And I'll be at Realm Makers next year teaching a class there. And uh, I just wanted to acknowledge Mary's pain, but we don't have to stay in pain because she knows she will see her husband again. And uh, we just want to pray for them. And the other person that we're going to talk about is Unoma Wankar. And she is a Nigerian author I've had on the show before. And she lost her mother rather suddenly. And she's been dealing with the grief of losing her mother. And when I heard about that, Rachel, oh my gosh, I was just... It just brought back how I felt when my grandma passed away because it was so sudden. I had just went up there to see her, and then I got a call several hours later saying she was gone. So yeah. I understood, and I really empathized with her pain. So I want to pray for Unoma and want to pray for Mary as they deal with the grief of their loved ones. Um, but their grief is temporary because we know that their loved ones are dancing and praising God in his presence right now. Mm-hmm as we speak, probably talking to my granny. So um, (laughs) the idea just just fills it with so much joy to think about that, but we don't want to forget about them. So our listeners out there, please pray for our author friends. Now it has been a longer show than usual, than usual, but there was a lot to get through as we did our right stuff and review for 2022. And I want to thank two people in particular. I want to thank our guest support. Our guest support are those the authors out there where you connect with me. You're going to be connected with my assistant, Amber Marie, and she's our guest support. So she takes care of your scheduling, getting all the information from me. I want to thank her. She came on this year and she has been such a massive help. Absolutely massive help. I know you talk with her, Rachel. She's yeah. very yeah, professional, she courteous, a uh, little yeah. bit zany, but you know, we all work together. <laughs> that help, yeah, that helps. She, she's doing, she does a great job. I was very impressed. Oh, yeah. And uh, she came in and took my mess and she organized it better than I could. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to thank Amber for her support. And then I want to thank our podcast editor. His name is James Castillo. And he's from the Philippines. And James has been absolutely wonderful. When we decided to change the format of our show, he gave me some great tips. He helped me with a lot of different things. He gets our show in our time to have more people onto the podcast. I would definitely want to thank James for his help this year. And as always, I want to thank all those who have been a part of Right Stuff from the every author from the books the publishers the author service providers i want to thank you for helping us out this year you know i said it earlier rachel but we really could not do the show without them you know we couldn't do the show without them and so i don't take anyone so lightly and i never will as god gives us grace we're going to continue to do that now we got some exciting things coming up for next year and i can't wait to tell you more about that when next year arrives but we're going to be going upwards and onwards. We're going to be celebrating the 10th year of right stuff, and we're going to get you some stuff ready. So Rachel will hopefully, God willing, will be with me for that. I'll be here too. And I can't wait to bring you into the fold. So from all of us here at Right Stuff from PJC Media, I want to thank you so much for being with me on the show today, Rachel. Thank you. As always, I enjoy having you. And to our listeners out there, our writers, I say this every show. God has given you a gift to write. Why aren't you using it? Are you constantly saying, I hope I get a chance to write today? I really want to write about my life story. I really want to write that graphic novel. I want to write that poetry book. I want to. I want to. You don't have to want. All you have to do is do. God has given you that gift. So go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day. And God bless. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.